0: It's Friday on Daily Delivery. I'm Michael Rand. Happy to be back for final show of the week. And a good one at that, Marcus Fuller from the Star will join me here in just a few minutes to talk gopher basketball, to talk college basketball as a whole, talk about his Basketball Across Minnesota feature. Lots of interesting stuff with the Gophers right now. Looking to be an interesting team this year. And uh, Marcus and I will get into all sorts of stuff with uh, with that team and college basketball recruiting, things of that nature. So stick around definitely for that. An unusual um, NFL result on Thursday that we will link to the Vikings. Got the Vikings thought at the end of the show as well. Some more college basketball towards the end. Some wild stuff here in a minute. First, though... What did I miss by the way someone emailed me the other day asking why do I call this segment what did I what did I miss when it sounds like something that I've watched or paid attention to I call it what did I miss putting myself in the position of you the listener thinking of what might you have missed um, in the last 12 to 24 hours um, so that that's why I call it that if, if just just a point of clarity and uh, what did I miss um, might be what did I miss and naming this segment what did I miss but anyway um, what did I miss? Timberwolves. I you know, started watching the game last night and they go down big early. It's like sixteen to three, something like that when I when I turn it on, sixteen to something like that. And I'm thinking, Okay, here we go. This is uh this is the time where we're gonna find out the thing that Chris Hine and I talked about Thursday on Thursday's show, you know, how how do they handle real adversity? How do they handle, you know, being in a position where, you know, where where things aren't going well on the road, they've already lost a game at New Orleans. Now they're down big to a good team, Dallas. Luka Doncic is going crazy early on, making threes. They're just making shots left and right. So, okay, here's here's your test. Here They're probably going to lose their second in a row here. This probably just isn't their night. And now we're going to find out a little bit more about kind of some adversity. And instead, of course... Uh, They ended up winning by eighteen. They look great for the last three and a half quarters. They get it to you know basically tied at halftime. They're down by one at halftime, but they're kind of they're back in a position where the game is certainly in in a winnable position at that point. And then they they really put put the accelerator on in the third and fourth quarters. Really been impressed with how they've come out of halftime this year. That was a real. Problem last year. This year, it's been much, much better. Looking like, looking like that kind of team, that veteran team that can withstand some early surges, things like that. Now, you know, as I was watching that game, they won 119 101. As I'm watching it, I'm like, okay, they're, they're treating the Mavericks like other teams used to treat them. The Wolves, I can remember so many games over the last, you know, three or four years as they were kind of trying to get over the hump, you know, getting good, but, you know, still, not great. Where they, you know, where they, where they blitz a team right away. Where they get up to that big lead initially, and then it would all fall apart. And you know, a veteran team would just pick them apart, catch up to them, and ultimately pass them. That that was what they've done to several teams this season, including the Mavericks last night. They just um, ultimately suffocated Luca. He had a good game, but he doesn't have much much supporting cast around him with uh, with Kyrie Irving out. And so there, there you had it. They, they coast. They cruise at the end. Nas Reed has like seven three-pointers, 27 points. They get massive contributions from other bench guys. Nikhil Alexander-Walker continues to have a great year. Um, interesting in this game, not necessarily a departure from every other game this season, but with Ant back, Anthony Edwards was back in the lineup, did not shoot well, but his presence matters. With Ant back, with Jaden McDaniels starting now, the nine-man rotation in this game did not include Shake Milton. Did not include what you would consider a true backup point guard. in In the minutes that Mike Conley Jr. didn't play, you had you know you had Nikhil Alexander Walker. You had some some Kyle Anderson running some some point forward. You had um, Ant handling the ball. You did not have Shake Milton getting any regular run in this game. So that was an interesting thing for me to see. That when Conley went to the bench. In a nine man rotation, Troy Brown was still in the rotation. Then, of course, Kyle Anderson, Naz Reed, and, uh, and Akil Alexander Walker were your, were your three others off the bench. That was your nine man rotation in this game with everybody healthy. Interesting to watch that going forward. But, you know, just another game. They're 18 and five. Another game that shows how good They are right now a road game against a team that's been going well, a team that has like the third or fourth best record in the West. Yeah, there's no Kyrie Irving, but you're going to be missing guys every night. You know, Ant just came back. He was rusty. He didn't look great. Um, if you're going to put an asterisk by a loss, put an asterisk by the, by the Monday loss for the Wolves because Ant didn't play, right? Like someone's going to be out in almost every one of these games. That is a good win at Dallas against a very good team, against a very talented, um, Luka Doncic led team. And that, That's just, it's just impressive. Maybe we'll have to, we'll have to wait for that adversity for another time because it certainly didn't happen at least beyond a three or four minute stretch at the beginning of the game on Thursday night. Now, the Wild had plenty of adversity earlier this season. They seem to be coming out of that one for the sixth time in eight games since John Hines took over as head coach. A 3 2 shootout win over Calgary, getting that extra point important. Matt Boldy good again. Marco Rossi, good again. I mean, those two guys uh, have been great. Um, Rossi's been great all year. Boldy's been great since the coaching change, kind of getting better contributions. Philip Gustafson's been great since the coaching change as well. A little bit of adversity, though, um, in, in the bigger picture. Uh, reading Sarah McClellan's story this morning, that uh, Bill Guerin, while GM, had been investigated after a complaint of alleged verbal abuse in the workplace that was originally reported by The Athletic. Um, sounds like an investigation is complete, determined that there was not a fireable offense committed by Guerin. The Wild issued a statement to the Star Tribune that said the Wild takes its code of conduct seriously. We recently concluded two separate incidents into alleged violations of that code of conduct and have taken appropriate steps to address the matters raised to our attention. The club will not comment further. Now, Garen was at the game Thursday night, according to Sarah's story. So interesting to watch that there. I don't know exactly what that all entailed but uh, that's a little bit of a a little bit of a side show that they probably don't need right now don't want right now but interesting to see if that becomes anything else down the road it sounds like this you know this particular incident has been wrapped but wondering if anything else will come down the road so a little bit of adversity for the wild see if they can kind of uh, see how that impacts their season but a good win for them again and 6 out of 8 since the coaching change
1: Grand Casino would like to take a moment and salute the true football fan. The passion. The hope. The anticipation. That incomparable feeling of winning. Grand Casino would also like to take a moment to remind you that you can find all that anticipation, thrill and winning at Grand Casino. Grand Casino. Let your story begin.
0: It's always a good time to talk college basketball. Nobody else I would rather do that with uh than Marcus Fuller from the Star Tribune. Marcus, how are you doing? Better not be ran. I mean, come on now. <laughs> who else would I talk with? We, we who else would I talk here? Yeah. Who else would I who else would I talk college hoops with other than you, especially if we're talking at the Star Tribune? Um, you've got a lockdown on all things gophers, all things college basketball. And the team you're covering is is kind of interesting right now. I think they're a little bit they're better than they were um they've had some some pretty standout performances they're dealing with some some absences they had a good win against Nebraska maybe kind of give yeah. me a a lay of the land of of the program right now
1: yeah sometimes it's it's hard for me to remember the last time we talked that I want to you know have to talk about the whole season I'm pretty no. sure we talked since then but yeah uh, you know I mean we'll, we'll just go right off the bat and talk about the record-setting night that Elijah Hawkins had first of all You know, this is a a transfer from Howard that, you know, going into the season, you know, he was going to change the, help the Gophers change the way they play, their style of play. They wanted to speed up the tempo, uh, play a fast paced style. And he was a perfect, he was a perfect player for that. I mean, um, you know, and so coming into the season, you know, he was their starting point guard. He had some uh, turnover troubles early on. He led the Big Ten in turnovers with almost four a game. And, you know, so going into Big Ten play, you know, they really needed him to figure out how to become a you know, better dis- making decisions and obviously uh, cutting down on, on his uh, mistakes. And he did that in a big way um, la- last night or I want to say last night, um, the other night on Tuesday with 17 assists, breaking yeah. the Gophers team record held by Ariel McDonald in 1994 I want to ask you if you're at that game it was Wisconsin uh, so you better not have missed
0: it I was not but I guess I was probably a freshman that year so well depending yeah. on when it was if it was if it was was it winter of 94 so yeah I wasn't there yet That was the year before my freshman year so I couldn't have been there yet I was a senior in high school in uh, in North Dakota so I would not have been able to be there for that
1: oh that's too bad you missed close, out close close yeah. yeah well the, the people who didn't show up for the Gophers game uh versus IUPUI they missed the record setting night. Not only did he have 17 assists, but he also had just one turnover. Wow. Okay. And and then so I, I actually looked that up. Um, and the last time a college basketball player from a power conference had 17 assists at least, and one or fewer turnovers, which would be no turnovers. Yeah. Was Tyrese Halliburton. Oh. Who is the best passer, obviously, in in the NBA right now. He, when he was at Iowa State in twenty eighteen wow. so he also had a seventeen assist one turnover game and you know we're talking about i guess one one of the best pastors maybe in 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 the world right now in Tyrese Halliburton, so you know I'm not gonna go ahead and play joggins in that category, no yet. of course not yeah <laughs> but it just goes to show you what kind of player that they have now um that can orchestrate their offense. And right now he's leading the Big Ten in assists. No shock, but I mean, before that he was pretty close, and now he has the lead. So really, it's about the record, but it's also about the fact that he's cutting down on his turnovers. I mean, with 17 assists, he could at least he could have easily had like six or seven turnovers and still been a pretty good assist turnover sure. ratio. Sure. Um, so the, the, so that was an amazing night um, for him, um, and you know, I mean, I, I think that we both know that point guards are hard to find. Uh, especially um, in the portal and and near the Gophers, and you know people are looking for uh, uh, a guy that's going to come in and and play right away and 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 actually make a difference. And so I think them getting a guy like this really made a difference.
0: Well, I think it, more impressive to me even than probably the record-setting night was, I and mean, that's his third straight game over you know in double digits, and that includes their. That includes their win over Nebraska, which, you know, I think, you know, Ben Johnson has said that was, you know, flat out the the biggest win they've had. And, you know, maybe you look at that and say, does ah, Nebraska really that big of a win? I mean, Nebraska's a decent team this year, but just in terms of their confidence, their ability to win a home game early early in the year and build some of that confidence, be able to draw back on that. But yeah, Hawkins had 12 points, 11 assists in that game. Did have four turnovers, but still um, a, a good game from him. Like, if that that tells me that he's got the ability not just to do it against IUPUI, UEPUE, uh, he can do it against Nebraska, too, and some of the other kind of comparable teams in the Big Ten.
1: Yeah, and I, I think that's a good point about Nebraska. So I think Ben Johnson mentioned that as his, I would say, his most important win Yeah, because of the circumstances surrounding it. like. Yep. Going into that game, they um, they obviously had a lot of momentum. The way Dawson Garcia was playing had 36 points versus Ohio State, 28 in the second half. No Big Ten player had as that many points in a game this year. Even Zach Eady, he injures his ankle, okay, in the first half. Yep, and you know he tries to go out there and he and he's. He's basically done for the night. You know, he tries to go out there second half, but he just couldn't do it. They were down 17 points in the first half, 15 at halftime. No Garcia, who just come off his best game uh, any Big Ten player had. What are they going to do? Right. And Elijah Hawkins is a huge part of that. Joshua Joseph had an amazing second half. He's been playing unbelievable lately but in the second half of that game you mentioned the four turnovers but in the second half Elijah Hawkins had 8 of his 11 assists yeah. and just one turnover yeah and you know so he was part of the reason why they were struggling in the beginning of that game you know down 15 or 17 and then in the second half they outscored Nebraska by 26 points and he was again the orchestrator without turning over the ball and so i think that that was the one thing that spurned or you know spurred him to have the games that he's having now You know, after that Nebraska win, he ended up having 11 assists in the next game versus Florida Gulf Coast Yep, with just one turnover. And then now 17 assists with with just one turnover. So, I mean, we're not only just looking at one of the best passers in the Big Ten, but in the country. And he was that last year when he was at Howard. He averaged six assists a game, but he also led the nation in turnovers with four. Okay. So Ben Johnson and his staff trying to make Elijah Hawkins not only – you know, as a as a as a as their starting point guard, but one that's one of the best in the Big Ten. Uh, it seems to be going in the right direction. Um, but again, like you mentioned, the Nebraska game was important uh, because it was a Big Ten opponent, and um, you know they have one coming up um, in January. Michigan will be their first Big Ten yeah. opponent. Um, with the new year, with, yeah, with the with the new year.
0: Yeah, know. and and they're going to be. I don't know what Garcia's status is. Um, you know, it's a, it's obviously. An ankle. Do they have a kind of timetable on when he might be back?
1: They're really, you know, I know you, you've co- covered, you know, sports a long time. Oh, yeah. Coaches hate timetables yes. putting it in on there because then you know, fans expect this and then yes. obviously teammates are like, oh, we're going to get back, you know, this game or whatever and then they, they don't and all of a sudden it's like, oh, no, what are we going to do? So I think, you know, internally, you know, I'm sure Dawson wants to come back and play the next game, you yeah. know, but I think um, externally, they're definitely making it known that um, it's a, you know it's a it's an injury that it's not a high ankle sprain, so it won't keep him out long term. But at the same time, they're playing Michigan on January fourth. Yep. You know they don't need to bring him back just yet. And and by the way, you know when people just say you know Iwe pwee and you know this record yep. didn't mean anything because it gets right. them, you know what? Chicago State beat Northwestern last night. Right. Okay. Chicago State was worse than than Iwi Pughy, Um yeah. in the Ken Palm rankings and net rankings and all of the stuff that they used to measure college basketball. They were worse than Ewe than Pui. So Chicago State beat Northwestern. Northwestern beat Purdue. I mean, you can go and compare scores, but every night you've got to come with it in college basketball these days, especially because you have a lot of older players and transfers and, and there's no guaranteed wins. So, you know, to not have Dawson Garcia – the last two games and obviously second half versus Nebraska and then win those games, they have two more games left um, leading into um, that big 10, the rest of the big 10 schedule. And, you know, I'm not, this is not inside information, but I think, you know, you probably see Dawson come back maybe at the end of that just before big okay. 10. Yeah. But the fact that they've shown that they can win without him with other guys stepping up, that's huge because if they feel like, you know, sitting him until the Big Ten schedule starts again is the best thing for him to, to make sure that he can finish the season strong. Um, so far, they've shown that they're they're capable of doing that.
0: They'll also be without Braden Carrington for an indefinite amount of time. That announcement coming just a few days ago. I'm, I've been impressed with kind of the response, Ben Johnson giving Braden Carrington all sorts of support. What 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 can you speak to on, on that?
1: Yeah, I mean – you know, most importantly, um, you feel for the kid. Um, you know, we cover sports and, you know, high school, college, pro levels. But, you know, everyone, everyone's human. And, you know, we go through a lot of uh, adversity and stress. And, and then when you see someone having to step away from, um, you know, the sport, it, it's tough. I mean, you know, it was shocking, you know, surprising for a lot of people because Braden Carrington was obviously – uh, not only um, uh, a really good uh, uh, person, but he also was a very good player. Yeah. Starting a uh, best defender on the team, maybe one of the best uh, defenders in the Big Ten. Um, he was playing his best basketball and really seemed to be enjoying uh, his team and and everything. And so, but some, you know a lot of times you don't know what's going on uh, behind the scenes with, with with his life and and school, a lot of pressure. You know, Ben Johnson mentioned after the game about the pressures of being a college athlete you know, with academics and obviously he's a starter and, you know, there's a lot of responsibility there and things like that. So I think that there's taking their time. It's an indefinite leave of absence is what they're calling it. You yep. know, Braden Carrington did announce on social media that he was taking time for, to, to, for himself, you know? Yep. Um, so, you know, and, and the, and, the, park centers having a Brayden Carrington appreciation night, which, you know, I, um, I I certainly understand, you know, one initial support for a player that was there and won the state championship and won Mr. Basketball, um, you know, making sure people, uh, you know, he knows that people care about him, which I think he knows already. Um, I'm not sure when he'll return, um, but I think that they expect him to uh, at some point. And uh you know he's going to be a, a very important piece when he does return, hopefully in the right state of mind and and mentally and everything that that he he can help them um in the big ten. I mean, he's one of the best defenders out there, um very very instrumental in their win versus Nebraska. He held uh to- Kese Tominaga Naga to four points and no field goals in that game and and wow. and Tominaga, um, he scored twenty versus Creighton last year he had 6 20 point games in his last 9 games. Mm. I mean he's he's clearly he was an all Big 10 preseason player coming in and and he's a very good shooter and to to limit him to that and he's done that to other players this season. He's a very important part of the team.
0: Given what we've seen so far of this team, I got a couple other things for you after this, but given what we've seen, I mean what what are we are they are they about what we thought they would be kind of more talented better but we still don't quite know what they are yet do you think they're better than you thought they'd be where do you where do you put them at this point in the season
1: uh i would i would say they're more talented for sure better than i thought they would be no okay. um i expected them to i mean especially the way they started versus missouri you know up 20 points yeah. i expected them to win that game so they yep. did not right i expected them to compete much better versus san francisco maybe even have a chance to win they did not right um they they were down 22 versus ohio state you know i did not expect them to be down 22 versus ohio state okay. and they came back from that one and they almost won so that those are good signs you know like i mean not the missouri and the san francisco loss but i would say the ohio state ever since ohio state coming back from that deficit yep they're a little bit below the expectations that i had just in the fact that they have the they for the whole season so far they haven't been able to put like a whole game together um, consistently they've done that recently um, against you know maybe softer competition but they still haven't put a whole game together against a really good team and so I'm still waiting for that that being said the talent is there the depth is there and that's why they 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 were able to beat you know yes it's, it's IUPUI but they, they they handled that game you know pretty easily without Garcia without Braden Carrington two starters and you know there's a lot of guys playing well right now I mean Joshua Joseph, you know, it's, it's, he, the way he's playing, it kind of got lost with the record that Hawkins yeah. set. I mean, he started off that game six for six, six from the field, and he had 14 of their first 21 points. You know, this is a player who, you know, his senior year of high school, he started zero games because he was at a really good prep school in Arizona. And coming into the uh, freshman year, he was the, the least heralded player in that class behind Braden Carrington, who was Mr. Basketball. And Pharrell Payne, who was the best prospect in that class. And, you know, everybody knows how good Pharrell, uh, his potential is. And he's been banged up this year. And he hasn't uh, completely, um, you know, been able to make the impact that he's capable sure. of. But, you know, so but Joshua jo- o. Joseph it, right now is, has been the most productive player in that class where he was just, he was kind of an afterthought because he had left Minnesota. He was an Osseo kid and people forgot about him. So, right. He's playing the best basketball on the team right now. Uh, He's led them. He led them in scoring two games. And then last game they sat him because they were up 30. But, you know, after he had 14 of their first 21, they're like, all right, Josh, we're good. We're good. You know, let's (laughs) have some other guys play. Um, And then obviously we know what Hawkins is doing. Cam Christie has scored in double figures in four of the last five games. And he led them with 20 in the last game. He's actually the leading scorer of all freshmen in the Big Ten. Huh and averaging nearly 12 a game. So that's why you have these pieces there. When they all come back together, when Garcia's healthy, and if Carrington comes back um, sooner than later, I'd like to see what that team does in the Big Ten. I'd like to see what they can do for a full game, and then I'll probably make a a better um, evaluation about them. But I would say they're probably just a little bit below expectation that I had right now. Um, but their style of play is definitely a surprise. I did not expect yeah. them to play this fast and 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 this this style. And um, they, they're, you know, even when they lose, even when they're turning over the ball, sometimes a lot in games, they're still fun to watch. which yeah. is, you know, that's kind of what it's all about. You know,
0: I'm glad you brought up Cam Christie because it kind of segues into what I want to talk about. You talk about next with you. We were kind of talking about this before we started, but just like. Recruiting, the, the way that recruiting is changing in college sports, we're talking about gopher football and some of those high profile gopher football player uh, recruits decommitting, getting looks at big time schools elsewhere. You have the kid going to USC now and they might lose another one to Ohio State here before signing day and not too long, depending on when that happens. Um, you know, he had the whole saga last year with the Gophers. I mean, Christy signed, he was a huge recruit for them, but the whole Dennis Evans thing, Dennis Evans, by the way, not having much of an impact so far this year, but we'll, will give him a chance uh, out, out in Louisville. But just the, just the nature of recruiting has, has changed so much. And like, you, you would kind of muse, like what would happen if a big time basketball recruit, you know, basketball is a, a sport where one player can really transform a program more Definitely. than just football. Yeah. But like if, if someone from Minnesota, had committed to the gophers and then decommitted and gone somewhere else, like what would that be like?
1: Yeah, I mean I I mean the sky would be falling way more than it did with Dennis Evans, I tell you that. Yes. You know, I mean, Dennis Evans was a five-star center, seven-footer. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot that you just looked at his measurables, and you're like, "Holy smokes!" You know, sky, we're, sky we're doesn't gonna... have
0: sky doesn't have f- far to fall to hit him. But he's pretty tall. Yeah,
1: exactly. But you know, we're taught. Let's just let's just just be hypothetical here. You know, let's let's just go back to Chet Holmgren, Jalen Suggs. Yeah. you know, players like that recently. That the, you know, I mean, Sam Mitchell just you know was talking recently about I could have got you know Chet Holmgren if I was the coach of the Gophers. You know, let's just say that you know, I said Richard petino No, I said ben, that was Ben's first year. So Ben's first year here. Let's say he he got as soon as he got on campus. Chad Holmgren got committed. Yeah, you know, and then all of a sudden, Chad Holmgren decommitted right before signing day. Yeah, and went to Gonzaga. I mean, be something. Yeah, that that would I mean that would be the start of Ben's career. And right. then You know, all of a sudden, the end of it before I'm I'm, I'm kidding, but <laughs> I you know, know I like, get you. Yeah, in, in the fans' eyes. You know, that would be really, really harsh to start off like that. And so that never happened. It's hypothetical. But, you know, we're seeing now with football that, you know, you can make really good evaluations with kids. So let's be honest. And, our, and Randy Johnson, our football writer, we were talking about this earlier. Yeah. Okay. The The, the kids that, the kid that's going to USC, he didn't have the USC offer when, when the Gophers, he committed to the Gophers. Right. You know the kid that that you know Ohio State is on him and everything, and he didn't have that offer when he committed to the Gophers. Yep. So you you do have to go from the kid's angle in that, hey, you know, at that time I really wanted to play for the Gophers, stay home. I love PJ Fleck. I still love him, but yeah, I didn't I didn't have that option. Would I've done that if I had that option then? You know. So there's that. And then that, from the, since the beginning of time, there's always been coaches who still recruit kids when they're committed to other schools. Of course. I'm sure the Gophers do it too. Of course. You know? Yeah. So, But the question you asked in the beginning is how harsh would it be for, if this happened to the Gophers? It's basketball. even bigger yeah. in basketball. Yes. It's even bigger in basketball because it it's a make or break. I mean, if, if yeah. the number one player in, in Minnesota commits to the Gophers and they are a five-star recruit, which – I I can't remember the last time that happened. That's probably Chris Humphreys. Chris Humphreys did the opposite. He he was committed to Duke and then he came here. Right. You know, I would say that, that that would be really hard to overcome as a program until you get on the court with the players that are actually there and then you win. And so, you know, I have to think back to, you know, I, it's before my time, but I, I, I'm pretty sure – Khalid El Amin committed to the Gophers, and then he went to UConn later. Yeah, you know, decommitted, and that, I think that's the last time that I remember a kid of that magnitude doing something like that in basketball. I know Royce White obviously committed to the Gophers and was here on camp, with the program, and then he ended up at Iowa State. But there's a lot of other off-court issues that that caused that. Um, it just doesn't happen in basketball, and the scary thing is, you know will it, will it happen in basketball? Is this the, is this the start of something yeah. that not just for Minnesota, but teams like Minnesota, where you do such a good job recruiting a kid yeah. that maybe is just a five-star kid that wants to stay home or he's, he's undervalued. And at the time he didn't have a lot of offers. And, yeah. then, he, and then when, when before signing day, he's like, Oh man, you know, this team wants me and that team wants me. Um. So this could be something, this will be something that, 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 Yes, basketball coaches like Don Plutzowite and Ben Johnson will face at some point here. They'll face the situation where they're ha- they're ha- they'll have a kid locally that they commit, and and then what? Right before signing day, they're they're having to convince him not to go elsewhere. And by the way, that did happen a little bit with Isaac Asima, who yeah. is signed with the Gophers. I mean, right before he signed, okay. I mean, he had he had this summer. He had a really good summer. Yeah. Really good summer at the end of the summer. And he had some big time offers that came to him um, after he had committed to the Gophers and before he signed, and he decided to stay home. Wow. So it, 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 there's a little bit about the kid, too. I'm not saying it was Ohio State worthy in, in basketball that would be yeah. like what Kentucky or Kansas or something. Sure. Um, but I, I do say, I do think that it, it comes down to um, the, the the where the program is, the coach that the, you have a relationship with. And also the team that the the new team that's offering you.
0: Well, and now it's not just the prestige of the other program, too. It's NIL money. Like if some team can come in and offer you a lot more, you know, NIL in some cases, then then that incentivizes things in ways that we just didn't have to deal with five, 10 years ago, even. So it's it's a it's a whole new world, Marcus. Um, Hey, before you before you go, um, we started you started the basketball across Minnesota feature again. Very popular um, so is this the third year of it? I can't remember. Is that third, third year?
1: Yeah, it's year three. And I, I just couldn't be more, um, appreciative of our editors, Joe Christensen, Chris Carr for allowing me to, you know, step away from the Gophers a little bit and and do this column. You know, Chip does an awesome job with, uh, FAM football yep. across Minnesota. I yep. mean, he's the one that came up with that idea initially. And then, you know, because I love basketball so much, I was happy to do it during the basketball season. And uh, my latest column uh, is about Ioka. She goes by Yoki. Yeah. <laughs> her, her nickname Lee from Byron. You know, yep. she came out of Byron. You know, she was a really good high school player, but wasn't offered by the Gophers, and she went to Kansas State. Injured, she was. She she had a knee injury, and then all of a sudden, when she came back from that, she turned in one of the best players in the country. Had 61 points and state a record in a game two years ago. Yeah, I remember that. And right off, the, right after that season. She tore her ACL mm. and she was out for the year again. And I talked to her recently about coming back from that injury and leading K, K State back to prominence. Um, they're number 12 in the country right now, and they actually beat Iowa and Caitlin Clark earlier in the year. And they and she outplayed Caitlin Clark. They did play twice, actually. Yeah, why did they play twice? Weird. Can you explain that yeah, to me? Was, it was, was one of them in
0: like a tournament or something? or them, what happened?
1: Yeah, one of them was like that, and then one of them was a, okay. was a regularly regularly uh, scheduled okay. like, home game. It was a home game for Iowa, for Iowa. Okay. So, and, you know, I mean, again, you know, besides the Caitlin Clark thing, I mean, Ioka Lee was a huge um, a name in the college basketball world two years ago after she broke the NCAA record, which actually by one point over Rachel Bannum. Yeah, that's you know, right crazy two minnesota uh players that 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 are ncaa record holders one uh currently now and and you know she has a brother that plays for saint thomas and a johnny and so she when she was sitting out last year she really wanted to help him um not only understand how you know how to go into college and and be make an impact but also show him that she could you could bounce back from adversity if adversity hits so yeah you know, she's been a good role model for her brother and then for other players. Um, and I, I just, I'm glad to see her, uh, playing well this year for
0: K-State. For sure. Well, we look forward to reading many more of those in the next couple of months as the season really swing, really swings into full force. I feel like college basketball, once we get past the, past the new year into, you know, kind of the the meat of the, the conference seasons and we'll, we'll see, we'll see how the Gophers do this year. It's, you know, I'm, I'm more I'm more interested in them. I'm more intrigued. I've liked some of the things that we've, we've seen so far and, and I'll be curious to see kind of what they look like if and when they are at, at full strength against some of these uh, kind of some of these comparable teams. You know, I'm not expecting them to be top four, but can they be top eight? Can they be top nine or 10? That, that's what I want to know. Yeah, it should be fun. I mean, the, the, there's certainly a chance. All right. Thanks, Marcus. Appreciate it as always. Take care. Yep, thank you. Good stuff for Marcus. Feel a little bad we didn't talk any St. Thomas basketball so let's do it right here. Um, 84-79 loss at number seven Marquette on Thursday for the St. Thomas men's basketball team. That is a very good showing even if they ultimately came up short. They were within a point in the last few minutes of that game. Put a real scare into what has been one of the best teams in college basketball this season. So another kind of step along the way for St. Thomas in their journey from Division 3 to Division 1. This is still just their third season in Division 1 men's basketball Division 1 sports across the board. And you know, like I said, they didn't win the game, but to to get that kind of result on the road against a top 10 team, that is an impressive performance. So, I'm going to have to get over there a little bit more, go check out a game one of these days, see what's going on over there cuz they're they're building something over there. Um you know, Patrick Roycey, a lot of us would love to see St. Thomas play the Gophers in men's basketball at some point here, maybe a couple years down the road. That would become a fun rivalry. I would have to imagine in a lot of different sports, especially basketball, men's and women's. But for now, St. Thomas definitely building something over there. Let us finish with the cooler. Emailer Nicholas made me laugh this morning. Subject line was Raiders offensive stat. They've averaged 31.5 points per game over a four day stretch, Sunday to Thursday. That <laughs> was perfect. Zero points for the Raiders, of course, in that three nothing loss to the Vikings on Sunday. I'll circle back on that in a minute. 63 points for the Raiders in a Thursday night football win over the much embattled chargers head coach brandon staley i don't know how he survives this season especially after that kind of result um but yeah, 63 points for the Raiders after being shut out by the Vikings just four days previous. That is quite the uh, stat. Another another reader of mine, another listener of mine, Brent, says, hey, with all the points the Raiders are scoring, maybe the Vikings' defensive effort holding them to zero was better than they got credit for. I thought we gave them plenty of credit in that game already, but it's a good point. When the Raiders can hang 63, I don't care if it's a team that's kind of packed it in, a team that is kind of going nowhere and is having a disappointing season. If you can hang 63, you've got something Going to hold the team that's capable of scoring 63 to zero—that is quite the disparity, I would say—and and yeah, is another reason to feel confident about the Brian Flores defense. Now, interesting side note: of course, in that three-nothing game, Josh Dobbs was pulled. Nick Mullins took over. On Tuesday, Mullins was named the starter for Saturday's game, tomorrow's game, as it were, against um, against Cincinnati. Dobbs will be the number three quarterback in this game. I thought that was pretty interesting. We found out Thursday that Jaron Hall will serve as the backup quarterback in this game. All three quarterbacks will be active, but Dobbs will be serving as the emergency, essentially emergency quarterback. Hall designated the number two quarterback. O'Connell explaining he wants to give Hall some more kind of reps this week, as if he was the starter, kind of getting, getting him more into the mix, into that kind of for his development. So I don't know if we've seen the last twist and turn in the Vikings quarterback uh, quarterback uh, scramble this season. Mullins will become their fourth different starter when he takes the field uh, in tomorrow's game. Fourth different starter this season—that's never happened in the Vikings history. So we will see what they have in store for us the rest of the year. But we know for sure what the packing order is for Saturday. It goes Mullins, Hall, and Dobbs. After Dobbs played almost all of the previous four and a half to five games, so. The carousel is still turning, folks. We'll see where it lands uh, after this week. And that'll do it for me this week. Full slate of shows coming up next week. But from a programming standpoint, should note that the week between Christmas and New Year's, there'll only be one show. It'll come out late in the week, kind of a best of the year, top 10 stories of the year kind of show. working on that right now, but taking some time off between Christmas and New Year's for the holidays. So plan accordingly. I don't know if you're going to have to plan much accordingly, but... be be a great time to catch up on any shows you've missed and catch up of course on just some quality time with your family friends loved ones etc but next week full slate of shows some good stuff coming up of course with Roycey on Monday and beyond until then I am Michael Rand enjoy the weekend back at it again on Monday